Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. This is episode number 54. And after a hat-trick, three weeks of Canadian guests, who do we have on the show this time, Peter? This week, we go all across the Atlantic to United Kingdom. We've got Hamish Glencross of the UK-based act Gotham. And why are we getting Hamish Glencross of the UK-based act Gotham? So um, Hamish, for those of you who might remember him, was part of My Dying Bride and also Valenfry. And this time he goes back to his roots of doom metal, uh, epic, if you may call it, uh, with their debut album, Reflections. Uh, you had a chance to listen to it. What did you think of it, Animesh? It's an old school doom album. And as meat and potatoes go, sometimes it's necessary for everyone to come back and have your good filling of meat and potatoes so that you know where the bar kind of rests. It's your comfort food. It's your palate cleanser, which then overall eventually will lead you to pop for the increasingly popular or, I don't know, more masaledar stuff. So I wholly recommend a portion of meat and potatoes each and every day, just so that you don't lose touch with your basics. And mm. that's what I make of the album. Yeah, and Reflections is exactly that. I mean, it is one of those Doom albums which sounds very familiar, but here it's kind of channeled in a new way, if I may. And uh, yeah, man, it was coincidentally or not coincidentally released on 14th of Feb, Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it would have been like a dark listen for those <laughs> alone on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I hope you're not projecting. <laughs> I hope you weren't projecting, actually. Anyways, here he is, Hamish Glencross. Hi, Hamish. Welcome to Horns Up. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm feeling fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. I'm... Uh, Really happy right now. I'm seeing the reviews for the album starting to come in, and uh, and it's amazing. It's uh, you know been a long time coming. So checking out people's reactions to our hard work is is just really great. Well, thankfully because people are saying nice things so far, so that's really cool. So I'm in a good mood. How are you? We <laughs> uh, we are pretty good too. All right. So Hamish, before we get into Godthrim and your new album Reflections, let's go back to when you got into metal how did you get into metal and then eventually doom metal well i was very fortunate that um, my uh, parents have quite an extensive album collection and um, so i was first expressing a bit of uh, interest into like heavy metal music by seeing album covers from iron maiden and thought the artwork looked amazing and and I was, you know, thought the whole look of, you know, guys with long hair and, uh, you know, these fantastical images really appealed to me as, as a uh, young boy. And um, my parents actually had some Black Sabbath and Deep Purple uh, vinyl records that um, I played and loved. And then um, my dad would get me, um, you know, new albums from... Um, like um, car boot sales or, uh, you know, just, just you know, cheap sales. And so I used to get things like um, MSG and girls' school. 
and um, and I just absolutely loved it. And then as time progressed, and I got more into um, heavier kind of music, it was um, I, I was simultaneously enjoying the the thrash scene, but um, but also uh, then turned really kind of back onto doom as well from uh, hearing Paradise Lost as they were starting out. Mm -hmm. I'd, um, I'd, I knew um, um, Tud's Archer um, initially, the uh, original Paradise Lost drummer. I knew him from, from, from school, and so I was hearing them very early. And um, I'd already loved Black Sabbath and, you know, Electric Funeral, Hand of Doom, all that kind of stuff was, was just fantastic. And now hearing slow, heavier, darker, music i've found it absolutely amazing and um so from paradise lost then um was like you know discovering my dying bride and uh, you know, anathema and then digging deeper into to that scene and uh and it was just so exciting and um it was you know emotional passionate kind of music you know greg mcintosh's lead guitar work is just mm -hmm. haunting beautiful you know you know misery or sadness uh, over quite you know ugly harmonies and you know riffs underneath and uh, i was it was just amazing and from that point i was absolutely drawn to you know slow melancholic heavy metal music and um, and i've been doing various variations of that over the last uh, well quite a few years now mm -hmm. so that's a lot of different kind of bands that you mentioned um what do you think it was about um or or uh, let me phrase it in a different manner uh what really was the appeal of this particular sound in this entire sphere of metal i think um it was uh, the contrast between really detuned, very dirty, heavy riffs, but with um, really kind of, you know, this sorrowful lead guitar or harmonies over the top of it. And it just seemed to kind of connect on an emotional level. That was just very, very powerful. And um, that was kind of really the first thing that just it kind of blew me away with just kind of how much emotion that guitars could carry. And, um, you know, the, the vocals were, you know, less immediate to me, really. I was paying just total attention to what the guitars were doing. And that was what really, really um, appealed and stood out to me. All right. So, you know, I was looking up, uh, you've been in quite a few bands and, uh, what your earliest band is Solist. Uh, you joined them and you performed on their second album, New Dark Age, in 1998. When you're looking yeah. now, does it feel like 22 years have passed? Uh, in some ways, yes. In others, no. Because it's um, it's been a very eventful 22 years so um, time kind of just seems to have flown past because i've always been very very busy in um, you know different aspects of music and uh, and life as well so like kind of time's just flown by i can't believe now that uh, you know at this 
age and um and and that that album for instance is 22 years ago but then um but then when i think back to those times and how it was like creating that album and then also being in bands prior to that as well it does also kind of feel like a lifetime ago so it's uh, so it seems to have gone by very very quickly but when i try and think back it almost seems like another life and i know that may sound contradictory um, may not make sense but uh, it, you know that's just kind of how life goes i guess really and and you know it's so important to kind of you know appreciate the moment as as you're living in it because you know life and time flies by so quickly yeah and you know when you f- if we fast forward now to all those years to 2017 you started uh, gotham how did it feel to you know start afresh uh, having been in all these bands over the past uh, couple of decades so it was it was exciting doing something new from the ground upwards but uh, the original plan the original inspiration for starting godthrum was uh, just really reconnecting to that original style of music that i'd got so excited about uh, you know like way over you know 30 years ago now and just how excited i was hearing that music for the first time and and what i loved about uh, those albums back then so godfrim was uh, my way of just trying to you know really reconnect to that music again and um been on 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 the decibel tour in america as uh, part of a package with um, at the gates and uh, converge and paul bearer when i was in valenfire and we were opening the show and i spent a lot of time with the guys in paul bearer i heard what they were doing and absolutely loved it and uh, they were telling me that uh, they loved so much of uh, the albums i'd been a part of in the past and they wanted to hear s- stories about how those albums were created and we we spoke about songs and albums i hadn't really thought about that much so coming back off that tour i spoke to some of my old friends that i'd made music with in the past like Sean and Chaz and we'd been in Solstice together and of course me and Sean had been in my Dime Bride together for quite a long time and we just wanted to play that old style of music and just really enjoy it quite selfishly just for ourselves but then um as we started writing some songs it became clear that we were real passionate about creating something new and this really was a new band and it was exciting seeing it from that first um inception and then uh, obviously it developed over time and as we became more serious we had um, a couple of lineup changes and we really refined our focus uh, to be dead set on the the style that we're we're doing now it was uh, yeah, exciting and and interesting and not long before then i'd seen um, greg mackintosh creating valenfire from the ground upwards and you know he is you know an incredibly experienced you know giant of the scene and um, when he invited me to become part of uh, valenfire with him i was seeing that band from the ground upwards and that was very inspiring too and that um, yeah also kind of helped make me think that it would be wonderful to do my own passion project from the ground upwards and that brings us to now I guess. 
Okay, so considering all the bands you've been part of and this uh, want to start Gotham, was there? Do you feel any pressure from the expectations that people had, or that you yourself set upon yourself when you started Gotham? See that so not so much at the start, but as um, as we went on and we started writing, um, um, you know, music uh, together, me and Sean, and we, it was clear that. Um, this was very important to to us, and it was going to continue on as a band. The pressure came completely, um, kind of from myself, really. I approached this album very much with um, the mindset that um, if this was the last album I was ever to record, how would this represent me as a musician and represent my musical history? And that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to have a single album that said, yes, that's what I did. That's what I wanted to do. That's the music that I you know, was most passionate about creating. And so um, that's why as time went on, it, it became a more focused, singular vision. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I put the pressure on myself more so than thinking about expectations of other people. For me, this had to be the album that I could stand back and say, yep, that's, that's what I did. So um, it was uh, you know, quite selfish in, in intent, but, um, but it also meant that um, yeah, I had the highest standards put upon myself. And, um, and I can stand back and be proud of what we've created and say, yep, that is... Of you know a, a really true representation of where my heart and soul lie, where music is concerned. So I was reading one of your interviews with the uh, Decibel magazine, and uh, I quote uh, something you said in there: "The debut Bathroom album will be the tenth original studio album I've been part of. Yet it feels yeah. like first, considering the importance of this album for me." So just related to what you said earlier could you just expand uh, a bit more with regards to reflections definitely um because uh, yes it's the 10th studio album i've been a part of and um i've um, always been uh, able to contribute something musically to each of the albums that i've been a part of i've always um, you know been been writing music and bringing um, you know ideas uh in but um then uh, it's um it's always been you know, as a you know collaborative kind of process and and that's great getting um, other people's uh, ideas and input and uh, you know creating something together and with the um, the one exception of course being the first uh, Valenfire album which was absolutely singularly um greg mcintosh's um, you know, the album all, all, all in a way through. And um, so then I wanted, um, you know, to be able to do um, something more like that where I could, you know, completely have free reign and, uh, you know, just being able to, you know, completely indulge all the ideas of, um, you know, if a section was going to have, uh, you know, multiple guitar layers and harmonies, then just, just to go ahead and, and do that and just do things the way that, I would have in mind without um, any kind of um, 
you know, um, a compromise in, involved or, uh, you know, disagreement in, in vision. And that's kind of also how the band lineup ended up being streamlined as time went on because we wanted um, less um, kind of input of you know, people wanting to uh, kind of write and, and steer a direction and just try and maintain it to just being a very singular kind of vision of what we're doing. So, yes, there have been other people have, have made wonderful contributions to the albums in terms of you know, a couple of musical ideas and lyrics and vocal ideas. But for the most part, musically, it, uh, it really is very much the, the sound of uh, how I write and record music. All right. So one thing I want to just dwell a bit upon is the sound of reflections. I mean, when I was listening to the album and I did a reference listen to your initial EP that you put out, uh, one of the first things I realized is on reflections, it's far more robust. Uh, yeah. If I may, uh, mm. could you like tell us how that shift happened in overall? I mean, you did mention uh, the change in lineup, but would it have been, uh, and again, you spoke about it being your singular vision. So could you tell us a bit about that with regards to the sound? Uh, yeah, so um, that was um, uh, partially responsible as well to, um, you know, the kind of um, gear that I was using, the amplifiers that I want to use and um, I'm having, um, you know, the bass sound a particular way. I, and um, just um, being able to have um, loud valve amplifiers absolutely kind of cranked up and the recording process was just more about kind of capturing, um, you know, kind of the, the, the energy and, and the live, um, you know, acoustics of a big room. The studio was a big difference. Um, we had, um, uh, you know, the um, privilege of um, recording at Toolmaker Studio in Sheffield with uh, Nathan Bailey. And, um, and he's got a wonderful big live room and, and he's all about capturing performance and capturing the sounds. So we could set up, you know, a big wall of amps and just say yeah, to him, right, that's the sound we want, you know, can you capture that? Whereas um, when we did the first EP, it was all um, a bit quieter, smaller rooms, a bit muted. But, you know, it was uh, right at the time we were, you know, limited a bit like kind of budget and time and, and just finding out the best way to go about things. So for the album, I was taking a bit of influence on um, some of the more kind of approach and, you know, recording techniques of like God City Studio in Salem, where I did the last um, couple of Valenfire albums. So taking some of those ideas, but um, applying it um, over here in uh, in creating uh, a Doom album. And so slightly different approach in regards to recording techniques, the equipment that we used, and and also then the fact that, um, of course, I played all the guitars on the entirety of the album and and of um most of um the bass guitar on tracks as well so it's very much the kind of you know the sound of of one person playing for a lot of it and that just gives a very cohesive sound really so i get that that's in part of it but i really must give um 
you know, praise and thanks to uh, Nathan Bailey. He did an amazing job. And then Mark Midgley for um, Northern Mastering. The mastering process is so important and gets overlooked at times, but he really helps um, get the perfect balance between loud, heavy, without um, clipping and distorting, which, um, you know, sometimes albums can really suffer from having trying to be pushed too loud, but at the expense mm -hmm. of sound quality. This is something we took care and attention over, and I think we've got a really good balance for it. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's very dynamically sound in that sense. So I think now is an opportune time for us to play a track from Reflections to tell our audience what we have already heard. Which track should we play and why? Oh, well, at the moment, I think my favorite's probably the song called uh, The Light of You. And uh, I just love how... Uh, you know, it's, it's so big and grand, crushing at, at first, and it's also um, a song I'm very, very proud of my vocal performance on as well. I've, um, uh, I've not shied away from um, really uh, wearing my vocal influences on my, my sleeve. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, I think it uh, kind of tells that I was, uh, you know, I've been, been listening to a lot of Tom Waits over the years. And, uh, but I think it really works in this, this style of uh, music and it's, you know, something slightly, uh, slightly different. So I think this is a, a great song. It's, it's, you know, huge crushing riffs, strong melodic content and, uh, and a vocal performance I'm very proud of. Sean sounds fantastic on it as well. He's just a big war machine of a drummer with tons of personality. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would want to pick The Light of You and I uh, hope you enjoy it.
the album released on 14th February. Now, was that an intentional move or coincidental as most, you know, metal releases are out on Fridays? So the actual choice of, of the day the, the being a Friday, that was ultimately up to Profound Law Records. Um, the specific timing of, of when it was coming out is um, purely because we'd finished recording the album, went through the mixing phase and then mastering, and that was bringing us up to like November, December time. And uh, throughout kind of December and even into January, um, typically folk have got a lot on with you know families and New Year and uh, a lot of pressures that way. So we thought just let um, let that kind of pass through and getting into February is a an ideal time to look at a new year, new release. And uh, it's also real nice that it uh, ties in nicely with uh, like my birthday, for instance, as well. And um, oh. and the fact that it was released on um, 14th of February as well, being Valentine's Day, then, uh, you know, then it's a, a song for all you lovers out there. <laughs> <laughs> and just to clarify, when is your birthday? Uh, it was the uh, 13th of February. Oh, okay. okay. Allow us to indulge a little bit. Now, on the FAQ section of your website, you state that the only cover you've played live is Black Sabbath. It's interesting you say that because uh, the year that we're in, 2020, the album turns 50 years old. Yeah. And it turned 50 years old. Why is Black Sabbath so special? It's just the absolute definitive um, doom song that there is. The atmosphere that's created, the um, huge crushing um riff that, that comes in with the uh you know the most you know sinister sounding inversions the vocals are just wailing and and pained the um but the instrumentation comes down to you know the quiet darkness there's just such a threat of um you know you know, a looming darkness. It's just incredible. I remember listening to that for the first time as a kid and was just, you know, I was, I was almost scared by it, really, because it was just conjuring such an incredible, um, you know, scene. And um, and it, it really was like, you know, a horror film made music. And it's just absolutely the, the blueprint of then you know, what comes afterwards, you know, it picks up the pace and, um, you know, got the solo at the end and it's, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal song. So, um, yeah, it's the, the anniversary and, um, and also just, you know, one of the most important songs in, uh, you know, the history of, of listening to music and the history of heavy music, you know, across the board, there's so much is, is you know owed to that 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 song and that um, that band, and um, but yeah, it's the only um, cover song that we've played live. But um, but we were actually also um, rehearsing another one at the same time as well. But um, but we didn't do that live. We were uh, also um, been playing around with a, a Twisted Sister song for a long time. But um, oh, wow. <laughs> but we haven't done that live yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
We must do at some point because uh, it, you know it's a great song. I don't know if you know "Destroyer" by Twisted yeah. Sister. Oh, yeah. what a song! Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've been playing with that on and off road for a couple of years, but uh, but we haven't done it live yet. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see how a band like yours manages to put their own spin on that kind of a song. Oh yeah, the the song is just it it just lends itself to it so well. So. We'll definitely uh, do it at some point in uh, in some version. But we did um, Black Sabbath uh, live because um, that was uh, Bob's first show with Godfilm. Uh, that was um, a show in uh, Tilburg in in Holland, and uh, it was a it was a wonderful show. It was, it was great, and um, and so we we did that right at the the end of the set and. Uh, and it was just great fun. It was a great way to end a great night. I just wanted to switch things up uh, for the next couple of questions. And again, this is just from the research I did about you. So I thought it would be fun or interesting at least to get your viewpoints on this. So in one of the interviews uh, I read, uh, you saying, I was on tour with Valenfrey for a couple of months before our wedding, only returning a couple of days before. And yeah. that's one of the things, uh, you know, being in a metal band, you kind of have to make that trade-off. So what are the things that you do to kind of maintain the balance between being a metal musician, touring, and your personal life? It's, uh, it, it's hard to balance them. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've got a very, uh, very patient and understanding wife. My wife, Catherine, is uh, amazing, really. And um, so I've, I've even... Uh, you know, I had to, uh, you know, t I've taken her out, um, you know, to shows that I've been playing when, when she was, uh, like, heavily pregnant, uh, oh, because, wow. uh, so, like, uh, I did a show um, booked in Iceland, for instance, and, um, and um, but, yeah, we, she, she was really quite pregnant at, at that point, and so didn't want to be uh, a part of that point in time. So uh, she actually came over to Iceland with us as well, and um, and uh, yeah, she's she's hard. She's uh, you know she's she's one um, tough, inspiring uh, lady, and um, and she's been very patient over the years, and I'm very thankful for that. But uh, but now um, you know life life changes and. Um, and now, as uh, our daughters are getting that bit older, I certainly can't be away from home as much as I, I used to be in the past, because uh, it's incredible thinking back now that yeah, I, I was away so much, like just before our wedding, and um, I was um, out in America recording um, with a plan of like getting back just before um, you know our, one of our daughters was born, and. Uh, it's, it's it's incredible now when I think, geez, oh, she was very patient and put up with a lot because it is hard juggling, yeah. um, you know, these lives. And um, but um, but it, you know, it, it's so important to um, you know to, to to give family the the attention that uh, you know it needs and deserves. And uh, and so that's why now I, I I don't think I could bear to be away from home for great long stretches of time like I used to be. I still very much want to be playing live and, and you know, still, still travel and, and do things, but, uh, but, it's, um, but it's not going to be for, um, you know, 
we wouldn't be able to count it in months anyway that's for certain <laughs> yeah so uh, the next question i have uh, just looks at you know based on what current state the music industry is where you are focused more on streaming and things like that and if it wasn't hard enough to be in a metal band back then now it's far harder looking at the financial returns so you know when you're in a metal band and more so a doom metal band uh, again which is a very niche uh, genre in itself it's really hard so if you don't mind me asking how do you kind of supplement being in a metal band you know with either a day job or or how does that work out oh absolutely got to have a a day job now as well and that um works um very well for me now really because um because i'm not um solely reliant upon music and i'm not having to think as much about um you know is is some is something i'm i'm recording going to sell well or you know what are current trends doing what is the scene looking like I, that really doesn't kind of matter at, at all to me and when i'm you know writing and recording now it, the the focus is just purely on uh, you know satisfying my kind of you know inspiration and desire to create and creating things in the way that i want to do regardless of what's happening in the you know the, the music scene at large so um so in some ways it's it's kind of liberating and also it's um you know it's just a very honest and truthful way of of working and um and not to say that you know people still doing full time music uh, aren't being true to themselves but um, but I do know it, it would be more of a consideration for some people when you've got to think about having to um you know be part of a cycle of having uh, to write and record every so often and you know keep the you know the the money coming in bills being paid so um so I do have um you know a day job now as well and have for a number of years now and um it works together well and I'm, I'm you know I'm pleased to kind of have that because uh, it's um a way that I can um, you know support my family and maintain the life that I've got and um you know be 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 responsible and uh, when i go to the music it's for the complete freedom of uh, doing exactly what it is that i want to do and uh, and i think that's great and it's also um, means that um, when i am creating music it's um, influenced and um, kind of fueled by you know a lot more life experience as well and you know very genuine kind of worries and concerns about you know the world and um, and uh, you know and trying to do the best in this world so uh, yeah it's I, I, i don't see it as a bad thing I'm, i'm i'm pleased with that and do any of your colleagues at work know that you play in a metal band i've, I've always kind of tried to um downplay it a little bit but uh, <laughs> but it certainly sometimes <laughs> kind of comes up <laughs> because the thing is if uh, you know if it does kind of you know you know come up because you know I I've, I've got a particular look and so sometimes <laughs> people are like oh do you, do you play in a oh do you play in a band and it's like oh yeah I've done a bit of that in the past and uh, you just know then they're going to say like oh you know 
where are you playing? We'll come and watch you. And it's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so you know, people might start viewing me in a different way. But And also it's hard for some people to kind of understand that, yeah, yeah, I used to play in bands a lot more. But, um, and you know, if they start then, you know, looking online and, and seeing that, like, hang on, you've, you've played in how many different countries? You've done so many different albums, you know, why are you why are you working here? <laughs> don't understand what a what a very different world it is. So uh, so I I try and downplay it as much as possible. But it is hard sometimes because you know I've still very much got you know the hair, the tattoos, the look, and you know look the same way that I that I have done for you know, you know almost thirty years now. <laughs> yeah, it always makes for like these kind of conversations always make for interesting conversations. Oh, yeah. there's always this sense of trepidation and and judgment that's kind of happening yeah <laughs> yeah definitely and um and and certainly i yeah, would uh, you know kind of be concerned if, if some people kind of read uh, you know uh, you know too much into kind of you know lyrics and imagery and things in the past and then kind of wonder like you know oh, are you a you know depressive person or you know are you you know, very morbid person, and it's and it's just, you know, obviously not the case. You know, we um, we do this kind of style of music because it's a really good cathartic way of channeling and working through mm-hmm. you know, negative energies and you know frustrations and angers, and and it's a really good release that way. So, you know, we can do this you know, dark, heavy, angry music, and then go back to our lives being you know well-adjusted, <laughs> happy people okay. for the most part. <laughs> okay, so you launched the album with the show at the Unicorn Camden in London. What's next? Are you looking to take this album out onto the road? Absolutely, because um, this uh, this lineup just works together so well. With um, you know, just the three of us, it, we've got such a great dynamic because um, each of us has got the sonic space to you know play to our fullest we can use the sounds that we want to do without like treading on each other's toes and uh, there's such a good kind of chemistry where we um, just really let our hair down and just you know really kind of go for it and um and you know we've done uh, a few shows together now since um, you know, becoming this three-piece, and I love the dynamic of it. It gives uh, the songs a very different energy and feel to the album, and uh, so um, I, I really like the you know kind of slightly different interpretation that that comes with that. So um, at the moment, right now, the uh, you know reviews are, are out and coming out, and people's reactions just just great. So just wanting to. Um, kind of make the most of that and um, try and, you know, play as many places as we can and, you know, share the music and um, check out the reactions with uh, as many folks as possible whilst we can because, as I was saying earlier, life's, uh, life's short. You don't know how long we get to do this for, so we want to do it kind of whilst we, we can. And, uh, and we love spending time together. So it's, um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate in uh, the band dynamic so i hope we'll get to do uh, a bit more but uh, but no we won't be 
going out on the road for you know months at a time, but we just mm-hmm. kind of want each um, show to be you know, special, a, a bit of an event. So um, we've got a few things lined up uh, in um, in Europe and um, and also you know closer to home, and we'll just see what we what we can do really. But it's a great live band, and it would be a shame to not do as much live that we can. Thank you so much, uh, Image, for your time. Uh, it's really great to hear from you, and especially after both of us really enjoyed uh, your latest album, uh, Reflections. Uh, I don't know what else to say, but thank you so much uh, again. Uh, horns up. Well, thank you so incredibly much. It's an absolute joy and a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, and I'm so glad that you enjoy the album. Thank you so much for your time and enthusiasm. It really means a lot to me. I, as I say, you know, um, so many years into doing this now, but um, all this just feels so very fresh and so very new. And it really is the uh, excitement that, that I had when I was first getting into this scene. So... Um, so thank you very much. So Peter, what do your co-workers think about you as a metalhead? Is that something you um, display or showcase? Well, I think the only outside display I have of being a metalhead is two tattoos. That's the only thing people can Yeah, but your tattoos it. aren't really yeah. out there. Yeah, but... I still remember a couple They're of well weeks. well-hidden underneath <laughs> t-shirts. So a couple of weeks ago, I was at a show and I met an old colleague uh, from work. And the first thing he said to me was, I didn't take you for a metalhead. I was <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I guess the dad image is kind of stuck with me now more than the metalhead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that may be true. But I mean, since you play in a couple of bands, I'm sure like everyone kind of knows about you being a metalhead. Well, the long hair, the facial hair and the tattoos kind of always beg me to be more of a uh, a rocker, as everyone says, than a metalhead. But uh, of course, people start off by uh, start off by first asking, hey, do you play music or are you in a band? And I say yes. And then the next question is, oh, cool. OK, well, can I listen to something? And then. Yeah, I direct them to the Riot Peddlers or to Solar DT and both of them. And usually, like, out of 10 people, nine will just turn off the headphones or their speakers and go away, never to bring it, never to bring up the fact that I play music. Maybe the next Riot Peddler show, we should, like, call them or stuff like that. Just see the mosh pit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, but anyways, in, like, I remember a long time back, on Invisible Oranges, shout out to Cosmo Lee. There was this uh, brilliant article about um, being metal and working in a workplace where, I mean, we'll try and link it in the show notes because that was a fantastic read about how essentially work is not just a great place for metalheads, because uh, and especially solitary workplaces or work that you do uh, largely without interaction from a lot of people. So yeah, that'll be in the show notes. Please do give that a read. I think a lot of our listeners, which means the three of us or the two of us, will uh, resonate with that. (laughs) 
that's it for this episode yep you can find us connect with us chat with us at hornsuppod.com and till the next time horns up horns up <laughs>